Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream that Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on in, everybody, to episode 94 of the Hooper's Log. It is Wednesday, March 16, 2016, and we are officially 24 hours away from the beginning of the NCAA tournament, and it is all going to get going on literally about 24, 24 hours and about 15 minutes away from the beginning of the first round, the official first round of the NCAA tournament for 2016. My name is CMO Buckets here on CLNS Radio. The phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number here in the SeaKeek Studios. My name is CMO Buckets here for the Hoopers Log on CLNS Radio. It is a big time of year, obviously, the day before the storm. And yesterday, obviously, we had some first four games. We'll have some more first four games today. Michigan and Tulsa play one another. And then obviously Holy Cross and Southern play one another as well, and they're playing games to get into the tournament, into the first round of 64. And then you had uh, the games from last night. Wichita State beat Vanderbilt 70-50. to They go on to play Arizona. And Florida Gulf Coast beat Southern 96-65, to and they go on to play the University of North Carolina in the first round. And what Florida Gulf Coast did about three years ago, for those of you that are diehard basketball fans, you know that was one of the greatest stories in basketball history with, with the 15 seed going to the sweet 16, who knows they could beat North Carolina in the first round. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it will. In fact, I'll give you my tournament today. My bracket is done. My bracket is officially done in the world of college basketball. It's fun to sit back and, and relax and take it all in. I did all my research yesterday. I made my picks and I have my final four championship, all first round picks set up. I will give those to you today in a cookie-cutter edition of the Hoopers Log as I tell you about my bracket and get that all going for you. And I will talk about the NBA today. A lot of crazy things going on in the world of the NBA. Obviously, Bojangles. Yes. Who? Bojangles? Who's Bojangles? Bojangles. Bojan Bogdanovic, a player for the Nets, scored 44 points over over the Philadelphia 76ers. How much worse can it get for the Philadelphia 76ers at 9 and 58 now? losing another game to the Nets, yet Bojangles, Bojan Bogdanovic, had 44 points for the Nets. A guy you, you rarely hear about, just a just kind of a role player, came out and went off in this ball game. So you talk about a circumstance where the NBA is clearly in just, in just treading water zone, where really a lot of these teams aren't really playing too well. And when Bojangles gets some points the way he got, you're talking about a, you're talking about a circumstance where the NBA is in flux. 
kind of waiting for March Madness to get started and then waiting for it to end in the postseason. That's pretty much what they're waiting for right now. Uh, but don't tell them that because there are still some teams trying to fight to get to the top here in the NBA. Uh, my name is Simo Buckets again, episode 94. Andrew Norris will not be with us today. The man is still sick. He's still trying to get through uh, some issues going on with his with his health. Uh, we're trying to get him back in here uh, today. He might call in. If he does, we'll be very excited. We've missed him. Obviously, it's been three days. and ever, Well, ever since, uh, ever since Monday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't been on the show. I know he was here for the Selection Sunday process. And uh, we miss him. I mean, I miss him. I don't know about you guys, but he really adds uh, quality to the show that uh, we haven't had. And, and uh, it's great to see him there. You know what also is lovely is when, you're, uh, is, when you're, is when your laptop decides to just absolutely freeze on you in the middle of nothing. I mean, literally, I type in ESPN.com, and the whole thing just says, nope. And now I can't even get into my thing. Oh, there it goes. All of a sudden, it comes back, just like in real life. You know, it disappears, it comes back. And there it is. Uh, again, NBA has been odd. The NBA has been odd. Uh, first of all, we got to get Kevin Hart in here. Hey, Kevin Hart, where you at, man? Hey, yeah, let's get it going. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. There were only six games in the NBA last night. We only went two and four. We are failing miserably here on the Hooper's Log when it comes to our selections and who we think is going to do well each night. It's been quite an inconsistent ride. The last time we did well was on Saturday. We went eight and two. I know the key is not to pick every single game, but that's what we do to give you an idea of who to pick for the night. You might as well just pick against us because we went two and four last night. The night before, I believe we went three and six. Just pick against us, and we'll do fine. We'll we'll be we'll do exactly what we're supposed to do, and everything will work out the way it is. Uh, Pacers do get a victory though, one hundred three to ninety eight, thirty six and thirty one. Now the Celtics have kind of gone on a little bit of a skid lately, thirty nine and twenty eight. They're falling back a little bit in the standings. I believe they're at the fourth spot, if I'm not mistaken. But the Indiana Pacers get the victory. Paul George, 25 points, seven rebounds, four assists. An outstanding game for him there as the Pacers keep moving on, keep keep chugging in the Eastern Conference. Magic get the victory, 116-110. to 110. They get another victory. They're just chugging along, trying to keep in that conversation of the Eastern Conference playoff race. It's going to be tough for them at this point, but they can still find a way to get up there if they play great basketball down the stretch. Nets, again, like I said, Bojan. Bogdanovich, 44 points, eight rebounds, and two assists. A game there, the Nets beat the Nets 76ers, 131-114. to Again, kind of a nonchalant game there for both teams, as both teams really have nothing to play for at this point, but the Nets get the victory. Raptors beat the Bucks 107-89. to Jonas Antetokounmpo, one assist shy of another triple-double. Kyle Lowry went off 25 points, four rebounds, and 11 assists. Outstanding game there as the Raptors go 107-89 to over the Bucks, 45-21 and now at the Toronto Raptors. The Eastern Conference is getting tighter and tighter and tighter up at the top as the Cleveland Cavaliers and Toronto Raptors are now two games separated, and the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat are tied at the three and four spot. And they're, eight, and they're six and a half games back of the Toronto Raptors. So we got quite the race going up at the top. The middle portion, obviously, we got Atlanta, Charlotte, Indiana. Really, the, the three through seven is all separated by about three games. So it's, it's all really tight in the middle. And then at the very back end, you got the Bulls and Pistons and even the Wizards kind of hanging back a little bit. Those teams are fighting for just a spot to get into the postseason. So that bottom three is going to be intense all the way through, and the middle portion is going to even out all the way through until we get to April. So it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be a little bit different here as we move forward and as we, uh, as we take a glance at how the NBA season is going to take apart. And so uh, with the Toronto Raptors getting that victory, they keep getting closer to the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Spurs last night, game of the night by far, they were up 71-70 to 70 at the end of the third. Think about this. Okay. It was a one-point game in San Antonio. Spurs were up one going into the third. 
And what do they do? They come out and lay the gauntlet down in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Clippers 37 to 17. The Clippers were playing very good basketball up until the third quarter, up until the beginning of the fourth quarter, and the Spurs decide to crush them. Look, this Spurs team, look, and, and I know I'm going to keep saying this, and I know March Madness is coming up. This is the really last day we're going to talk about. This is the really last day that we, we're really going to talk about the NBA for a while. But this Spurs team over the last couple of games has had one of the more brutal stretches in the NBA. Look, whether you like it or not, the Clippers and Thunder have been the two best teams in the Western Conference. Yes, I know the Golden State Warriors are coming up on their schedule. I'm not denying that, and I'm not going to debate that, and that's what I'm here to talk about real quick. Clippers are the fourth best team in the West. They got destroyed by 20. Thunder, third best team in the West. No debate there. They got beat by eight in San Antonio, and it wasn't even that close, really. If you watched the game, it was close. It was more of the pre- preservation of, uh, you know, of, of Kevin Durant coming out of nowhere, really playing great basketball. Really, the, the Spurs are just absolutely just, just dinking and dunking, uh, pick, picking apart each of these teams that they're playing as of late. And I know they lost the, to the Pacers about a week ago, which is still odd to me. But outside of that Pacer loss, the last time they lost was against the Clippers, and that was back that – was that was a while back. I mean, that was back um, – Man, I can't tell you. Uh, I wish I had the wish I had the dates in front of me. February nineteenth was the last time the Spurs lost a big game to a pretty pretty good team in the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, think about it. that was a month ago. They lost two games in a month. I mean this uh, this game on Saturday night between the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, first of all, I can't wait for it to happen because I'm excited for the reaction when the Spurs absolutely beat down the Golden State Warriors. Well, yeah, you heard it here. And granted, it's getting closer to that time of year where my fandom starts to kick in. And I become a little bit less logical when it comes to my, you know, my, my takes on who's going to go where and what's going to happen. But at the same time, this, this San Antonio Spurs team, 57-10 and 10 now, 33-0 and 0 at home. Kawhi Leonard looking like an MVP candidate every single day. Los Angeles Clippers, 42-24, and 24, still fantastic, still a great team. But the Spurs annihilated them. And you can't deny the fact that this team at home, the San Antonio Spurs, plays so much differently at home than they do on the road. Look, 33-0 and 0 at home is no slouch, no joke. That's historically great. That's historically unbelievable. The last time the Spurs lost at home was about a year ago. I mean, I mean, think just let that seep into your mind. I mean, obviously they lost in the, in the NBA playoffs at home, I believe, one time. And so you saw that. But outside of that, I mean, this Spurs team, the way they keep playing, the way they keep putting, putting runs together in the fourth quarter, outscoring teams the way they can, this this game on Saturday night, on the 19th of March, outside of watching the first round, second round of the March Madness on Saturday, this will be on my – this better be on your bucket list to watch a game. Look, my name is Simo Buckets. We're, we're going to start a new thing here called the Buckets List. This is on your buckets list for the weekend. If you are a basketball fan, if you care about the game of basketball and the trend that it's taking here over these next couple of days, the Spurs play the Portland Trailblazers here within the next couple of days. I believe they play them on Thursday. But outside of that game, that game on Saturday night, between Golden State and San Antonio is probably the biggest regular season game ever. And I mean, I mean, I mean this decade, I really, this, this team between the Spurs and Golden State, these are the two teams in the NBA that have figured out basketball from all angles. And in my opinion, both of these teams between the, between the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs have completely figured out the game of basketball. The Spurs are three and a half games back of the Golden State Warriors. Look, and all this hype behind the Golden State Warriors is legit. Look, when you start off your season 60 and 6, think about this. Just, just step back. Step back for a moment. Recognize the greatness of, that, of how that sounds. 
the Golden State Warriors are 60 and 6. That is that's that's more than ridiculous. That is that is absolutely out of this world insane. How good of a start that is. I mean, you win 60 of your first 66 games in the season and you have 16 games to go. They are they are now getting to that level of historically great. But look who's on their tails. The Spurs. Three and a half games back. All the Spurs, and think about this. All the Spurs have to do, realistically, and, and they're not going to play perfect on the way through. Neither is Golden State. Golden State's probably going to finish 73-9. and nine. They're probably going to break the Bulls record. It's looking like it. And two of those three losses are going to come to the Spurs. It's going to happen. The Spurs are going to beat them on Saturday. I can guarantee it. I can absolutely guarantee it. Go put a rack on that game. I know many of you are in Vegas right now listening to this, listening to it, or, or at least you're gambling at your home and you know in your basement or something. But if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this show, you you better put money down on that San Antonio Spurs game because the Spurs at home are just undeniably uh, just unbeatable, and the Golden State Warriors are pretty good on the road, twenty nine and six. But this is a different beast playing San Antonio in their home court. Look. This, these two teams, when they play in May and when they play on Saturday, when they play on Saturday, you're going to see one of the biggest uh, playoff games, uh, playoff atmospheres you're going to see in the regular season, possibly ever, from the standpoint of, look, these two teams are going to show their cards on Saturday. They're going to play their heart out. They're going to play as hard as they can to, to get to where they want to get to and, and ultimately get to the NBA Finals. But both these teams are championship, are championship quality, you know, legendary, great quality material these are two of the best teams in NBA history between the Spurs and Golden State and I know the Spurs played the Golden State Warriors three times from you know obviously Saturday they play and then they'll play them two more times at the end of the season in April with the final week of the season um, and I don't think in those final two games the Spurs are going to are going to are going to show their card I think on Sunday April 10th they're not going to show their card obviously with the week left in the regular season and then you have Golden State on the on that Thursday, the April seventh. I, I don't think the Spurs are going to show their card in Golden State. I think they might play hard, but they're not going to show much of what they're going to do in the postseason. At this point, at that time in the year, come you know late April or mid April, should I say, when the when the season becomes close to an end, the Spurs are really going to start looking at these games as kind of warm up tests for their bench to get them ready to play in you know get their bench warmed up and ready to play. Um, you know, to play in the postseason. I mean, and they got some good tests. I mean, all pretty much all the teams they play in April, Toronto, Utah, Golden State, Denver, Golden State twice, Oklahoma City, Dallas. I mean, those games are very challenging. Will the Spurs win 60 games this year? Absolutely. Will the Spurs sniff 70? Yeah, you better believe it. And the thing with that is, is I don't think they're going to win many of those games in April. They might just go 4-4 four and four or 4-3. Or four and three. But they're ultimately going to be a team that's going to come down the stretch in the regular season, and you're going to see a team that when they get into the postseason is going to be more than willing, more than locked in when they play in the regular season. They're 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 going to show the world that they're probably the best team in the NBA. And I know that's crazy to say considering what the Golden State Warriors have done, but 57 and 10 is no joke. Look, if the Golden State Warriors hadn't gone off to this crazy start, and let's say they had been five games worse than what they are. The Spurs would be two and a half games up, and everyone would be talking about how legendary they are. Just think about that. Five-game difference. That's one loss per month. That's one more loss per month. If Golden State would have had one loss in November, they would have had one more loss in December, one more loss in, in January, one more loss in February, and one more loss this month. That's the Spurs with the lead in the, in, the, in, the, in the conference. That's the Spurs. They've won nine of their last ten, just like Golden State. Won four in a row. Golden State's won five in a row. 
I mean, you can't deny the fact that this Spurs team, if they beat this Golden State Warrior team, how can you not rank them as the best team in the NBA from a standpoint of power rankings? Everyone's talking about how great the Warriors are. Everyone thinks the Warriors are head and shoulders above everybody in the NBA. That's not true. That's just not true. I mean, the Spurs are right there. They're right there. 33-0 at home is not a joke, people. You got 41 home games during the regular season. They have 33 of them. And they still got eight more to go. So when it comes to this, when it comes to this rivalry and this matchup coming up on Saturday, we're going to see one of the greatest games we're ever going to see in the regular season. From the standpoint of competition, it's going to feel like a playoff game. It's going to feel like a game that, that, that just – both teams are out for battle. Both teams are out for blood, flat out. And I know that's really in, intense, but it's true. Both these teams are out for blood on Saturday night on March 19th. Look, I know the Spurs play the Portland Trailblazers on Thursday. No one will be watching NBA basketball tomorrow. No one will be watching NBA basketball Friday. But if there's one basketball game I ask you to watch as a purist basketball fan, please sit back and watch San Antonio and Golden State duke it out on Saturday night. Obviously, everyone's talking about college basketball. Obviously, everyone's talking about that. But I need to go to one thing real quick before I start talking about my bracket. Uh, And I'll give you my picks here in a little bit in the NBA because obviously I want to talk about my bracket and what I have. And who I have going where – Oh, also, the Sacramento Kings beat the Lakers last night, 106-98. No one cares about that right now. Everyone cares about uh, what's going on in Seattle. Um, speaking of Seattle, look, the Seattle Arena plan that's coming through in Seattle. I live here. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I live about 40 miles south of Seattle. I know, I know what's going on when it comes to the, the basketball landscape here in Seattle, and it's a really big thing. And if you don't think it's a big thing, if you're an overall NBA fan, you seriously should start taking note of this Occidental plan in, in Seattle. And for those of you that don't know what Occidental is, Occidental Avenue, that is where the Seattle Mariners play. That's the same street that the uh, – that's the same block Soto district. That's the same district that the Mariners play. It's the same district that the, that the Seahawks play. That was the same district back in the day when the kingdom existed. So that is the, basically the sports area. The key arena is nowhere near Soto district. It's about three miles north of the Soto District, four miles north of the Soto District. It's, in, it's, it's near the area uh, of the Space Needle. If you know the Seattle area well, you know literally like, like Key Arena is literally a block away from the, from the Space Needle. It's right there. Like you can see the Space Needle from Key Arena. It's right, you look up, it's right there. Um, and that's where the Sonics played from pretty much 79 or the mid-80s till, you know, till they left in 07. And what they're trying to do here in Seattle, they're trying to make this thing, well, what, what, what the government's trying to do is say, look, find a way to renovate Key Arena, and we'll think about finding a way to get you a new arena. That's not how it works. No one wants to pay that money to get this team into, into Seattle. No one wants to do that. No, no, no one wants to pay that money to renovate a small, dumpy arena in Key Arena. Now, Key Arena was great in the 90s. Key Arena was great in the 80s. Key Arena was great, you know, when it, when it had its time. It, it that, that arena is not going to work anymore. The size, it's too small. Renovating is not going to change it, and it's not going to attract the NBA to come back. On top of that, obviously, this new arena that they're trying to build in Seattle, for those of you that don't know, this new arena that they're trying to build is trying to bring in NHL, NBA, uh, obviously have a really big conference area, uh, have its own park. It's trying to create this whole new environment of, you know, ultimately like what Seattle is about. And the thing about it is, and for those of you that don't know the Seattle area very well, is that it's the people who are freaking out about it not working are the people who are not, not buying it are, are basically the higher ups and the higher ups think, Oh, well, that's where we have our industrial area kind of go through and work. They barely go through that area. I mean, the people who go through that industrial area now near Occidental Ave and the Soto district are really kind of the main jobs that are around that area, you know, steel work, uh, 
you know, working on the railroads and things like that. Like that, that's really the stuff that really happens around there. Outside of that, there's not much that goes on around there outside of Mariner games during the spring, uh, Seahawk games during the fall. That's it. The rest of the year, it's very quiet. And this city has been very quiet for the last 10 years. I mean, I, I, I know the Seahawks have been absolutely crazy. I get it. But when it comes to, when it comes to its sports landscape, it used to be the Sonics were a thing to do pretty much 41 times a year. It was a thing to do. And yesterday they had a big uh they had a big gathering in uh they had a big gathering over in uh City Hall. About 14,000 people showed up. 14,000 signatures were were about a little under 14,000 signatures were were signed to this uh this this agreement to try and get this arena built. And at City Hall, they made their case to try and get uh, the, the Chris Hansen and that, that ownership tried to get the private group, tried to get that, that pushed to say, we need 32 teams in the NBA. This would be one great market to get here. Let's have the opportunity to build the arena of a lifetime with majority private money. Now, here's the problem. For a lot of you that don't know and don't know the Seattle area very well, we obviously got Safeco Field. Uh, anointed and, and approved in '97, it was built in two years or three and a, or two and a half years. It was up by the middle portion of the season in 1999. The, the, the Mariners started in '99 and it's been there ever since. Um, when it came to public money, public money was heavily invested in the Safeco Field, and a lot of people were tax drowned and tax exhausted from that stadium. And that's understandable. I, shoot, I was a kid back then. I don't understand the politics of how it worked, but from the standpoint of it drowning your money and drowning your finances, look, I get it. Seattle's already tough enough to live in. Living around that area in King County is already really tough to live in. Living in uh, living in uh, in, uh, in in Pierce County, which is the southernmost uh, uh, county b- b- below King County, which is where Seattle is. Pierce County is where Tacoma and all these other pretty large cities in the state of Washington are at in the general Pacific Northwest region of the state. And you have, I mean, the taxes that were put into that that stadium were enormous and so i can understand the fear of getting a new arena and what it would do tax-wise for for you know a couple years three years for it being built i get it but then you have you know then 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 what even what even made it worse was when safeco field was built the the stadium that people care more about most about at least at the time was getting a was, was first of all knocking down the kingdom and building a new stadium for quest field which is now CenturyLink field which is where the seahawks play and that became a new thing, and that was built, and that took three years. So you talk about a, a time period from about the mid-'90s, from, from basically – if those of you who are base basketball or sports historians, those of you that remember uh, the, the 1995 run by the Seattle Mariners, if, if you forget, that was a time where people were talking about the Seattle Mariners leaving the state of Washington because – Honestly, they were horrible. They were horrible. No one was going to games. They were, they were just pathetic to watch. The only thing really to go watch was Ken Griffey Jr. and Edgar Martinez and Randy Johnson. That was about it. Jay Buhner, obviously, hometown hero. But outside of that, it's kind of like, you know, what was the point of going to a Mariner game? It was a joke. They were laughable. They were one of the worst teams in all sports in the 80s. I mean, go look at the history books. The Mariners were one of the worst teams in all of baseball in, in the 80s ever. And so what was, the, what was the incentive of going to a game when there was really no fun in going, which that's almost the case today, but obviously we have uh, superstars in Nelson Cruz and, 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 and uh, guys like uh, Robinson Cano and Cal Seeger. But, but the thing is, is when it comes to that circumstance, 
when the Mariners, when, when that, they had that magical run in 95, when they were down eight games going into September, and then they got to October and they got to the postseason, they were down, they were, they were tied 2-2 against the Yankees going into game five, and they were down one in the ALCS game five. And Edgar Martinez hit that double. That sparked all this. That sparked a brand new excitement in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the city when it came to sports. That sparked Safeco Field. That double sparked Safeco Field. And then, obviously, when the, when the Seahawks uh, got their new uh, stadium, everyone decided to start going because it was a brand-new thing and it was the thing to do. And so then more, more actual fans, not the, not the bandwagoners you see today. Bandwagoners are crazy, by the way. That's a real thing. But when it comes to the actual fan base that wanted to start coming to games in the, in the mid-2000s when Quest Field or CenturyLink Field was created, that was, you know, that was when people started really getting excited again. And the thing was, was back then, I, think, I mean, again, 97 till about 03 or 02 when that arena was, uh, stadium was, so about a, a five to six year period of exhausting taxes just on stadiums alone. I don't blame the public for freaking out. I don't. I don't blame the public for stepping back and thinking, oh, my God, we got all this money we're going to invest into a big arena now, and taxes are bigger than they were in the 90s, and taxes are worse, and, 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 and minimum wage is now at $15 an hour in Seattle. Yeah, that is, that's true, $15 an hour in Seattle. It's crazy, people. But what I'm trying to get at is, is the people who are most worried about this occurring – when it comes to getting the Sonics back in Seattle, are the people who don't look at it from a logical perspective? Look, more jobs, more uh, more people, you know, getting into that arena, more money being put into the city, more money being this, more it's more money. Overall, it's a better investment because the NBA brings more money, the NHL will bring more money. You'll have more teams, you'll have more areas to spend your money, and more fan bases, and more people getting interested in the city of Seattle. More people coming in through SeaTac to go watch a game because it's something new. You know, <clears throat> you have all of these new things coming through for Seattle if you bring this new arena. So from that perspective and this rally that happened yesterday, 14,000 people showing up to City Hall to try and get this arena approved and to be pushed into discussions in April, which that's when the, that's when the big – this is the final push for Chris Hansen and his group is to get this arena deal okayed. Because obviously, if you get an arena, it doesn't guarantee a team. But what it does do is it, is, is it opens up a giant opportunity for the NBA to come right back into Seattle and, and get a top 10 market again. Yeah, Seattle is a top 10 market in the world. And not in the world, but in the United States. It's a top 10 market. You got LA, you got New York, you got, you got Boston, you got Houston, you got, you got cities in Texas. You got obviously uh, San Francisco. Uh, you got these big time coastal cities in America that are making a large portion of money, and Seattle's one of those. It is. It's a top ten market, if not it, at its worst, it's a top fifteen market. And you ran away with that because you were greedy enough to go with an Oklahoma business owner who was, you know, oh, I'm going to take this city away. Which, to his his you know his credit, he took away a team that was not trying to save itself. It wasn't. From a majority perspective, they were shooting themselves in the foot from a city perspective, from an educational perspective, from the standpoint of understanding the, the, the ramifications of if they don't get their team figured out, they're going to lose their team, which they did in Seattle. And so that time in the, in the mid-2000s was a very rough time for that organization. It was. Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Thunder. That used to be Seattle, for those who don't know. And that circumstance 
you know, really played itself out in an ugly circumstance. Now, will I not disagree from the standpoint of Clay Bennett stealing our team, uh, manipulating the system to try and get his team? Absolutely, he manipulated. Absolutely, he, he basically just uprooted this team and took them to Oklahoma City and stole an organization and stole a fan base. He did. He really did. He really did. But from another perspective, he, to his credit, he did it in a way that you, you can't really knock him for. It's pretty genius. If you're going to steal a team, he did it the way you want to steal it which is take advantage of their system, uh, uh, you know, warp the minds of the fans and think that the team is terrible when in reality it's your way of making no one come to the stadium to make it seem like no one cares. So it, he did it in the right way, very, very ruthless, very uh, immoral, but, but he found a way to get it done. At the end of the day, business is ruthless and immoral. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Money has no morals, and this guy didn't. And so I think now the foundation for this circumstance with Chris Hansen's group, this is the final push. This is the final push here in the Pacific Northwest. Chris Hansen and his group are finding a way now, and they're building a foundation where the fan base is starting to grow. I'm starting to jump on board as a Spurs fan. I mean, I, I want to see, I wanna see uh, basketball back in Seattle where it should be. There's a lot of great people growing up here who are going into the league right now who are from this area of the country, and they want to see basketball back. you got guys like Brandon Roy, Gary Payton, you know, Hall of Fame players who are like, Seattle needs to have a basketball team. It needs to. And Chris Hansen has really been pushing for the last five, six years now of really trying to get this, 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 this situation underway that we can get a basketball team back here. This is the last push. Voting starts sometime in mid-April. We'll know sometime in April ultimately what's going to happen and if they come back and if an arena will be in place. A lot of that's coming through. And that, 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 uh, that rally yesterday was a big indicator of that. And I hope the Sonics come back here within the next couple of years, three or four years, and we can find a way to get Seattle, uh, basketball, NBA basketball, back in Seattle. You're listening live to the Hoopers Log here through CLNS Radio on the Seek Geek Studios. My name is Simo Buckets. The call-in line is 323-642-1558. If you'd like to call in and talk about this circumstance in Seattle, please feel free to do so. I'd love to hear your voice. Uh, again, 323 642 one five five eight is the number. NCAA tournament tonight. Michigan plays Tulsa in a first four game, and also you have um, you also have Southern playing Holy Cross in a playing game to play Kansas in the first round. Now let me let me say let me say this let me say this. We 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 have I have my tournament. I have who I have, and I have what I have. And I'm excited to tell you that you know I, I think my bracket's going to win and it's going to dominate. If you'd like to join. The bracket, if you'd like to join the bracket for the Hoopers Log, go to ESPN and type in, when you search for a group to join, type in the Hoopers Log and you can find us there, or just Hoopers Log, and you'll find us there, um, and you'll find our group, and uh, you'll find, you know, guys like, C uh, you'll find the Hoopers Log, Simo Buckets, you'll find the Hoopers Log, uh, Andrew Norris, you'll find a bunch of guys on there who listen to the show and, and, and do the show, and, and if you win, you can come on and boast on our show and talk about how great you did. We're excited to see it, and we're excited to have you on if you do win and beat us all. I don't think it's going to happen. I think I'm going to win. I mean, ultimately, I have the best bracket. It, my bracket is perfect. My bracket won't be perfect. It won't be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect bracket. But my bracket should dominate. For I have all the best teams in the Final Four and whatnot. But let's give you our picks first for the NBA before we get into that man pajama and that conversation of what to expect. Um, here on a Wednesday, there are nine games in the NBA. Thunder and Celtics are on ESPN. Oklahoma City's favored by four. Take the Boston Celtics. The inconsistency is out of control in the NBA right now. 
so a lot of teams are going to be winning when we don't expect it, and the Celtics should get this victory. Take Boston plus the four against Oklahoma City just for that reason alone. Magic and Hornets, the Hornets have been playing off their chain lately, but the Magic have found a way to bounce back. I think the Hornets are going to get the victory, but I think the Hornets, I think the Magic will keep it close. Take Orlando plus the nine and a half. You should get the victory there. As the Hornets have been playing great basketball, but the Magic should find a way to keep it close. Cavaliers and Magic, another interesting, fantastic game there if you're not into your college basketball. Take the Cavs. The Cavs are minus favorite and a half. Take the Cavs minus the nine and a half. They're going to come out upset because they have been playing pretty bad basketball as of late. They should dominate in this one at home against the Mavericks. Bulls and Wizards. Wizards are favored by six. Take the Bulls plus the six. The Bulls are going to come out and play inspired basketball. They need to keep playing better or else they're not going to be in the postseason. Just flat out. That's just how it is. That's how it's going to work. I don't think they're going to work. If, if they can't win these couple of games down the stretch here, you know, obviously uh, in, the next, in the last month of the season, they're not going to make the postseason. I don't think they're going to be okay with that if they don't make that. So I think the Bulls got to win this game. And they're going to do so ultimately. Pistons are favored by one over the Hawks. Take Atlanta plus the one point. I know they're in Detroit. It's going to be a tough one, but Atlanta's going to win this ballgame. They're going to get it done. They need to. Uh, the Pistons need this win too. Both teams really need this win for the Hawks to stay kind of afloat and the Pistons just to get into the postseason, I think the Hawks will win. They're just a better team. Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Grizzlies are underdogs by, by two and a half. Take Memphis in this one plus the two and a half. Don't believe what, Memphis, what Vegas is saying in Minnesota. I'm telling you, I think it's going to be insane when it comes to the Grizzlies um, and the Timberwolves uh, tonight. I, I, I just it, it, The NBA is so inconsistent right now when it comes to picks. Look, two and four last night, three and six the night before. And then, obviously, Saturday we went 8-2. and two. It's off the chain crazy right now, so kind of go against your gut when it comes to making these picks. Houston and the Clippers. The Clippers just got beat by the Spurs, but don't be fooled. The Clippers are still a fantastic team. They're going to beat the, the Rockets tonight. The Rockets are favored by three. I don't know why the Clippers are a much better team. They're going to get the victory. They're going to win, take the Clippers plus the three. That'll be the late game on ESPN. Pelicans and Kings, obviously, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. That is the matchup of the night, in my opinion, between those two. Kings are favored by three. Take the Pelicans plus three. Just just go with just go against your gut. I think the Kings will win, but I don't think they're going to win by that much. And if they don't win, then we know that the Pelicans kind of got them on a bad night. The Golden State Warriors play their 67th game of the season. They're going to try to go to 61 and six. Now it becomes a countdown of them breaking the record. They have 16 games to go in the regular season. They need to go 13 and three the rest of the way to break the record. Football record. Think about it. 13-3 and three in the NFL is a very good season. That's all the Warriors need to do now is go 13-3 and three to have the all-time regular season record. They're 31-0 at home. The Knicks are going to come in. They're, they're underdogs by 50. Take the Knicks plus the 15-and-a-half. I think the Knicks are going to come out and play pretty good basketball tonight. They're not going to win. They're not going to win. If they do, I will be shocked, just like when the Lakers beat them. But I think the Knicks will find a way to keep it close. And, and with the way the basketball world has been going lately, if the Knicks beat the Golden State Warriors – Man, I wouldn't be shocked. And I know people would be shocked if they did beat them, but really with how crazy the world's been going in the NBA just over the last three or four days, it's been nuts. So I think the Warriors will win this game, but the Knicks will kind of find a way to keep it close. Those are your picks in the NBA today in the world of basketball as they get started for a Wednesday. And again, those first four games, check them out. I'm telling you, True TV, 3.30 p.m. And then you got also, um, then on top of 3.30 p.m., then you have 30 game or the the the, five, the six o'clock game, which will be between uh, I believe Michigan and Tulsa. So those are your games tonight for uh, for the uh, world of college basketball. Here is my bracket, my official bracket for you 
in the world of the basketball landscape. Yeah! Who do I have? Here, who do I have when it comes to the world of college basketball in the tournament? Well, here we go. In the south bracket, this is who I have winning. I have Kansas beating Austin PA, Connecticut beating Colorado, Maryland beating South Dakota State, Cal beating Hawaii, Wichita State beating Arizona, Miami beating Buffalo, Temple beating Iowa, Villanova beating UNC Asheville. In the west bracket, I have Oregon beating uh, whoever comes out of that game tonight between Holy Cross and Southern. I have Cincinnati beating St. Joe's. I have Yale beating Baylor. I have Duke beating UNC Wilmington, Texas over Northern Iowa, Texas A&M over Green Bay, VCU over Oregon State, Oklahoma over CSU Bakerfield, UNC over Florida Gulf Coast, Providence over USC, Indiana over Chattanooga, Kentucky over Stony Brook, Notre Dame over whoever wins Michigan Tulsa, West Virginia over Stephen F. Austin, Pittsburgh over Wisconsin, Xavier over Weber State, University of Virginia over Hampton, Texas Tech over Butler, Purdue over Arkansas Little Rock, Iowa State over Iona, Seton Hall over Gonzaga, Utah over Fresno State, Dayton over Syracuse, and Michigan State over Middle Tennessee. Yes, those are my games that I picked, and I know if you didn't hear me, I'll fly through them again, but I'll give you my Elite Eight here, or excuse me, my round of six, 32, my round of 32, round of 64, I just said it, round of 32, here we go. I have Kansas over UConn in that game in the south bracket to go to the Sweet 16 after a weekend one, Maryland beating Cal, I would not be shocked if Cal beat Maryland and got to the Elite Eight, I w- or the Sweet 16, I would not be shocked. If they face Kansas, that's going to be one of those games. It's going to be a classic. Uh, it's going to be played in Spokane, Washington. I might, I may find a way to try and get over there and watch that ball game. It's going to be an amazing game if those two teams meet up. Miami playing Wichita State. Look, Miami's defense is suffocating. They're going to find a way to beat Wichita State, especially with a smaller school. And Wichita State going to be an outstanding game there in the second round. Uh, Villanova over Temple. Look, Villanova's just too good. They're too, they're too talented. Temple's a great team. I think they could get to the, the Sweet 16 as well. But Villanova's going to find a way to get done in that one. Cincinnati's going to beat Oregon. The Pac-12 is overrated, people. Do not believe the hype when it comes to the Pac-12. It is overrated. Cincinnati is a tough team in back-to-back games, especially when they're close, uh, close together. Cincinnati's a very tough team in general. They're going to beat Oregon in the uh, round of 32. Duke will beat Yale. I think Yale's going to pull the upset on Baylor. If not, Duke will beat either one of the two. Duke has an outstanding player in uh, Brandon Ingram and on top of a guy and uh, Grayson Allen, they're an outstanding team there. And Duke, Texas A&M over Texas. Look, the, the rivalry, the big, one of the biggest rivalries in all, of, in all of basketball, I think Texas A&M and Texas will be a fun one to watch. Texas A&M should pull it out, though, over Shock Smart and the Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma will beat VCU. Look, Buddy Heald is too much for anybody. Buddy Heald's going to get it done in that one. In the East bracket, in the round of 32, UNC will beat Providence. They're just too talented overall. They're going to get it done. Kentucky over Indiana. They've been playing much better basketball, obviously winning the the, uh, the SEC Conference Championship Tournament. Big time win there for them. They're, they're just going to get better, and they're going to keep improving. They're going to go play UNC in the next round in the Sweet 16. West Virginia is going to the Sweet 16. They have an unbelievable uh, half-court press. They're going to play great basketball against Notre Dame. They're going to get it done. Xavier over Pitt. Uh, they're going to win as well. They, they're playing play a very tough Big East, and Pittsburgh is not up to the challenge. Virginia will beat Texas Tech. They're going to find a way to get to the Sweet, the, the sweet 16 as they beat Texas Tech. I would not be shocked if Texas Tech upset Virginia. Do not be shocked if Texas Tech gets into the Sweet 16 because they are a very gritty team, and they proved during the regular season in the Big 12 they can pretty much hang with anybody. But considering their consistency, that's where it, they trouble me. Purdue will beat Iowa State. Here's the reason why. I love Iowa State. I think they're an outstanding tournament team, and I think they're going to play well. 
The problem is, is Purdue has so much length and they played so well in the Big Ten tournament that I can't find a way to not pick them. Iowa State has proven throughout the year that they have been inconsistent. They have great talent. I think they're one of the more talented teams in all college basketball, but they've found ways to lose games this year, and I think this will be a game that proves it, and Purdue will find a way to get to the Sweet 16. Utah is going to beat Seton Hall. They're the only Pac-12 team I think is going to make it to the Sweet 16. Reason being is Utah this whole year has found ways to stay consistent, and they have been up and down kind of throughout the year, but they've found ways to stay consistent when it comes to beating the teams they're supposed to beat. They're supposed to beat Seton Hall. They will beat Seton Hall. They'll find a way to get to the Sweet 16. I love Seton Hall, too. Isaiah Whitehead's, Whitehead's my guy. I think, I think they can win this game. I think, honestly, each of these Midwest games outside of the game I'm just about to mention, Michigan State and Dayton, Michigan State's going to beat Dayton. No debate there. No one's going to beat Michigan State when it comes to uh, these first two games in the, in the tourney. It's just not going to happen. But outside of that, Seton Hall and Utah, I could see Seton Hall winning that one. I could see Utah winning that one. Purdue and Iowa State, that could be a toss-up. UVA and Texas Tech could also be a toss-up. But I think I have it as – this is who I have it going. In my Sweet 16, I have Michigan State, Utah. Those two teams are playing. Michigan State will beat Utah. Uh, Virginia playing Purdue. I have Purdue beating Virginia. Reason being the length of Purdue. University of Virginia is an outstanding team, but I think they're overrated overall, and I think Purdue's going to find a way to get it done. It'll be the rematch of the Big Ten Championship in the Elite Eight between those two teams for the Midwest bracket. Then you have UNC and Kentucky, obviously two storied historic franchise or, or, organize, or, uh, or programs ever. I think UNC gets it done, though, just based on their talent alone. I would not be shocked, though, if Kentucky got it done, but I picked USC, UNC excuse me, to win that win in the Eastern bracket. And then, obviously, West Virginia over Xavier with their half-court press. They're going to find a way to get Xavier off their game, and they're going to go to the Elite Eight in West Virginia. Oklahoma over Texas A&M, reason being Buddy Heald. That's it, Buddy Heald. And that team, Oklahoma, is outstanding this year. They got robbed of a number one spot, in my opinion, along with uh, Michigan State. So they're going to make it, and they're going to get far as well. Duke will beat Cincinnati. They're just a better team. They have more talent. Cincinnati getting to Sweet 16 will be, a, will be an excitement all by itself. I think Duke will find a way to get into the Elite Eight. Villanova will beat Miami. They just, have, they just have a better team. They just have a better team. And with four days to rest, they're going to find a way to get – or three days to rest, they're going to, they're, going to be, they're going to have the edge over a team like Miami going into the Sweet 16. Kansas, they're going to beat Maryland. Maryland's proven this year that they're inconsistent. They have a lot of talent, but Kansas has a better team overall. In the Elite Eight, in the South Bracket, to decide the South to decide the South Bracket, Kansas will beat Villanova. Kansas is too powerful. They're too good. They're just they're just they're just overmatching them. Oklahoma will beat Duke in the West Bracket. They're going to get to the chance. They're going to get to the Elite Eight. I I don't see how another team is going to beat Oklahoma outside of a Kansas, which I'll get to that in a little bit. But Duke and Oklahoma, Oklahoma will play Kansas in the Final Four. UNC in the East Bracket in the Elite Eight. They will beat West Virginia because they just have that much more talent. I would not be shocked if West Virginia got to the Final Four. They have an unbelievable half-court press. They play the game. Very scary. They had, they're the best rebounding team in the country. I would not be shocked if West Virginia got to the Final Four. But UNC, for some reason, scratches me as a team that can really do something big in the tourney this year if all goes well. Michigan State in Purdue. It happened in the Big Ten Championship. It's going to happen again in the national on the national stage. Michigan State is going to get it done over Purdue. They're going to win big this time instead of a close one like it was 66-62 in the Big Ten Championship. But I think Michigan State's going to meet up in the Final Four. I have Kansas, Oklahoma, UNC, and Michigan State in the Final Four. Kansas plays Oklahoma. I have Kansas winning the ballgame. Look, every single time Oklahoma plays Kansas this year, every single time it's happened, you have seen Kansas get it done over Oklahoma, and they have been great ball games. I mean great ball games. 
Don't be shocked if Oklahoma wins. I wouldn't be shocked if Oklahoma won at all, actually. I think Oklahoma has a chance of winning it. But I think Kansas is the better team. I think Kansas will ultimately win this game, and Kansas will meet up in the championship game against. UNC and Michigan State will play. I have Michigan State beating UNC. Look, Tom Izzo has proven year in and year out. No matter who his talent is, no matter who he has playing for him, he finds a way to get this team playing well. Michigan State will find a way to get to the national championship game. It'll be between Kansas and Michigan State. Kansas will get there on April 4th, and Kansas will get the victory, and they will win the national championship game 74-70, to and they will hold the trophy as national champions in the world of college basketball. That is my bracket. That is who I have. It is submitted. It is done. It is what I have going. The Hooper's Log is in full effect. My name is Simo Buckus. we got about a minute left. If you'd like to call in, again, the phone number is 323-642-1558. If you'd like to call in, we'll definitely take your phone call, and we'll get you on the air. If not, well, I'll give you a little bit minute to, to kind of process all that. It was a big, big, big conference or tournament read, obviously, with who I have. I, just, I think Kansas is clearly the best team in the nation. Look And look at their bracket, who they have going forward. You have Kansas, Austin, PA, UConn, Maryland, Villanova, Oklahoma, Michigan State. Don't get me wrong. That would be a brutal run. But if there's one team that can do it, it's Kansas. Look at the, look at the, look at the conference they were in this year. Look at the teams they played this year. Look at who ultimately how they play against good teams this year. They're, they're just a solid team. They're the best team in the nation. They are. And there's a reason why they're the best team in the nation. And this has been one of those years where parity has been at the highest it's ever been. And you can't debate the fact that Kansas has just been that unbelievable when it comes to their ability to play. And another team that's played has a really easy bracket is Oklahoma. I mean, go look at Oklahoma's bracket. Seriously, their bracket is a joke. CSU Bakerfield, VCU, or even if they don't play VCU, Oregon State, really, they're not going to lose that game. Texas A&M, which, is, which would be the toughest team they play in that bracket. I mean, that's, that's a joke. And then they would play, and then they would play uh, if they would, either Oregon or Duke. I mean, <clears throat> that's <laughs> – that's not tough. Like, Duke is not great. They're good, but they're not great. And then if they got to the, if they got to the Final Four, they more than likely play Kansas, which would be very tough. That would be their hardest team, but they've played them two times this year. And they've played them tough two times. So Oklahoma and Kansas really, in my opinion, are two of the best teams in the nation. And they could both win the national championship this year. Unfortunately, they both play in the Final Four if they were to get that far. So that would be the toughest game to pick, in my opinion, between Oklahoma and Kansas. I honestly would just sit down and enjoy the game. Uh, but UNC-Michigan State will also be an outstanding game as well if both those teams make it. But to be honest, the Eastern bracket is the is – the, if you can't pick the Eastern bracket, I would totally understand. I think this year, if there's one bracket that's going to be the most difficult out of all, it's the East bracket. Look, UNC, North Carolina, fantastic. Indiana, they were the Big Ten regular season champions. Kentucky, the SEC conference champions, uh, uh, you know, uh, tournament champions. West Virginia plays the toughest, one of the toughest brands of defense in all college basketball. Wisconsin and Pitt were both two unbelievable teams in the regular season, and they found ways to grid it out and get into the, get into the conference, get into the, get into the tourney. Xavier is an unbelievable Big East team. They have it all. They really do. I mean, Indiana, Kentucky, UNC, uh, Xavier, Notre Dame, West Virginia. Like, I mean, these top four teams, top five teams in this bracket are just brutal. UNC, Kentucky, West Virginia, Xavier. I don't know how you can pick that. I, I honestly could see all four of those teams making the final four in the East bracket. It is crazy. The Midwest bracket's a little tough, but it's not that hard. Michigan State is a pretty easy route to get to the championship game if they really wanted to. I mean, think about it. Michigan State, 
we'll, we'll play. This is their bracket. This is who I have going in their bracket. And even if they get all the favorites, think of this. Michigan State plays Dayton in the, in the second round. They're going to play Dayton. And if they don't play Dayton, they're going to play Syracuse. They're going to beat one of those. They're going to beat both those teams. They're better than both those teams. They just are. Then if they play the favorite in the next, the next round, it's Utah. Utah in the Sweet 16 if they play the favorite. And then if they play, they go into the Midwest Championship, they play the Virginia, a team that they should have overtaken as the number one seed. So Michigan State has a relatively easy bracket. Oklahoma has a relatively easy bracket. UNC is the one team, the one seed I could see getting knocked off. And Kansas, considering how good they've been this year, those are the ones. I honestly think this will be a year where I get three out of my four final four teams in. I would not be shocked if I got the East bracket wrong. The East bracket is, is just is just a mess. It is a mess from multiple perspectives, from the perspective of the first round, from the perspective of going deep in the Elite Eight or, or, the, or the Sweet 16. It is a brutal, brutal bracket in the East. The West, eh, kind of easy, very easy. The Midwest is tough to a degree, but I think the real champion we know is Michigan State coming out of the Midwest. That's my take. That's who I have. And that's what my bracket is. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Episode 94 is in the books. Tomorrow we will preview each game in the first round for you in the world of college basketball, and we will get you all set up here as the games get going on 9-15. We'll be here at 8 in the morning on the West Coast, 11 a.m. on the East Coast on episode 95, and we'll preview the 16 games for you on Thursday. On Thursday, March 17, 2016, when the NCAA tournament gets going and tipped off, we will start it off for you, and we will talk about each game uh, prior to tip-off at 9.15 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m., 12.15 Eastern. We will do the show an hour prior, and we will talk to you about what to expect and what to expect for day one. And then we will have episode 96 right at the very end of tip-off on Friday. When the buzzer sounds for that final game on Friday, we will give you a recap of what happened that night, and then we'll preview a little bit of what to expect for Friday. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Enjoy the basketball. It's going to be a good one.